All right, everyone. Uh, this is author David Jennings. He has written an excellent book about the history of wild turkey, uh, which we do have a copy of at the library now. There are also plenty for sale. You can find them on Amazon, I believe, and at a few distilleries and lots of places, right, Dave? Uh, yeah, there's there's several. You can find it at, at the Wild Turkey Distillery. You can find it at Justin's House of Bourbon in Lexington and Louisville. Uh, the e-copies are on Amazon and iBooks, uh, which is Apple. And uh, you can go to wildturkeybook.com, and that will take you to my publisher if you want to copy and print. Excellent. excellent. Okay, cool. And there'll be uh, plenty of plugs later in the program. So Perfect. David's about to talk to us about the history of wild turkey, as the title of this book suggests. He's very knowledgeable in that subject. And uh, afterwards, we'll do a brief Q&A. So if you do have a question, go ahead and throw it into the, the chat box when we get to that portion. And I'll moderate. I'll, I'll ask those questions. He'll answer them for you. And this program will be posted as a podcast on our SoundCloud and iTunes and all that good stuff afterwards. So with all that said, I do apologize. We had some technical difficulties starting, and we may very well have some later. This is a whole new world we're working in with, uh, with WebEx and Facebook Live. So fingers crossed that nothing like that happens. All right. With all that said, I'm going to hand it over to David, and he's going to chat with you about the wild turkey. Great. Thank you, Wesley. Appreciate that. Okay. So, uh, again, you know, my name is David Jennings. And I am the author of American Spirit, Wild Turkey Bourbon from Rippy to Russell. Uh, and this is a work of a super fan. I am not an expert. I've never claimed to be a bourbon expert. I'm just a, a huge fan of American whiskey and more specifically wild turkey. So I was going to talk to you tonight about the book and the history of wild turkey. But before I do that, let me just kind of tell you a little bit uh, about myself and, and how I got into bourbon and wild turkey. So. Uh, you know, uh, bourbon for me has always been a uh, a drink that I appreciated when I would go out to eat. Uh, so like in my 20s, I would get like a, a, you know, Jim Beam and Coke, or I might, you know, get like a Jack Daniels and Coke, or sometimes I even go like Crown and Coke or something like that. That's not necessarily bourbon, but uh, that was my whiskey kind of, you know, life for like, you know, a couple decades there. And then uh, in 2013, uh, my brother-in-law uh, asked me if I wanted a drink, and uh, I said, sure, and he introduced me to, uh, it was like a, a Crown Royal on the rocks, and uh, I was expecting like a mixer or something, and uh, I enjoyed it, and I thought, wow, this is this is really nice. I ought to kind of take a look at, uh, you know, what other whiskeys are out there and see what I can find. Maybe I can find you know, the best whiskey in the world, you know? So uh, I did a lot of research, a lot of reading online. I would go to the store frequently and try different things of scotch, Irish, whatever. And I eventually, you know, landed on bourbon. And uh, when I did, uh, it was like a whole, you know, new world opened up. Like that was my thing. That that was where I felt most comfortable in, in the whiskey scene. Uh, and I, for the longest time, I'd avoided wild turkey because I remember from college, wild turkey was like the shooter whiskey. Um, and, you know, in, in my mind, it was like, you know, rot gut or, or bottom shelf, or, or some, whatever you want to call it. And one day at uh, checkout, I was buying some, I don't know what, uh, and, and I decided to throw in, you know, a pint-sized bottle of uh, Wild Turkey 101. And when I got home and tried it, uh, I was surprised to find that it was very high quality. Not just high quality, but better than bottles that I had paid you know, two or three or four times, you know, the price of that wild turkey. And and it surprised me. And so I got to writing about it on Reddit. I was I was real uh, big on doing reviews on Reddit. And one day in talking to someone about 101 on Reddit, uh, they asked me if I'd tried any dusty wild turkey. And, and, and the dusty, that's a term in the whiskey circles for a vintage bottle, like a, an old, you know, uh, bottle that has been put away for, for many years. And I, I told him, well, you know, not in that capacity. I'd never had dusty turkey. I mean, I'd had turkey in college, but, uh, you know, not, not in the sense he was saying. So uh, I was able to try a 1981 Wild Turkey 101 eight-year and a 1992 Wild Turkey 101 12-year. Uh, and when I first noticed that 81 Wild Turkey, uh, it was like, you know, the heavens just opened. I mean, it was like, that was that was a whole new level of whiskey uh, to me. And it set me on this path to find that profile again. Of course, you're not going to find that that profile on the shelf nowadays. There's many reasons for that. But 
it, it really sent me down the wild turkey rabbit hole, and I started buying every expression I could find of wild turkey uh, on shelves. And I got to know the brand. I started researching the history of the brand. I learned about the Russell family. Uh, in time, I learned about the Rippey family. And we'll talk about both of those families in a little bit. Uh, but it really, you know, it was an inspiration for someone to share uh, that whiskey with me. It, it, it set me on this path. And, and I started reviewing Wild Turkey almost exclusively. Uh, and eventually I got to where I had so many Wild Turkey reviews. I thought, well, I ought to put these somewhere. And so I started a blog called Rare Bird 101. And on that blog, uh, essentially, you can find pretty much every expression Wild Turkey has released. I have a few that I, I still need to put on there. But uh, it, it it started me down this path of having a, a blog centered around wild turkey. Uh, after a couple of years of doing that, my wife mentioned to me one day, she said, you know, you really ought to write a book about wild turkey. And I thought, well, there's there's no way I can do that. It just sounded like such a big task. I had never written a book before. And it just it just sounded like something I'd never be able to do. But she encouraged me, and I started, and uh, just took it, you know, one one day at a time. And before I knew it, I had, uh, you know, a, a good many words there, and I thought, well, this, this is going somewhere. And so when I finished my first draft, I sent it to a few people, and I got some feedback ranging from, you know, there's not really going to be any publisher that's going to want this. This is this is too brand centered. Uh, and then the opposite, I had, well, this is a book that needs to be written. This needs to come out. Uh, so I, I started a Kickstarter uh, to raise money to uh, pay for the design and photography, and uh, and and it did really well. And I, I was I had a lot of support uh, both uh, from the Kickstarter campaign as well as my Patreon uh, supporters. I was able to uh, ha- hire the best photographer in the industry, in my opinion, Victor Sizemore, and uh, we really put together a nice what I feel like is a nice uh, introduction to the brand uh, is the book is full of photography uh, of the, of like the highest quality. I mean, he spent, Victor spent a lot of time taking these pictures um, and the history. I researched it as best I could tried to verify everything as best I could. There were interviews, I put a lot of time into it and uh, was able to work out something with mascot books in Virginia. And ultimately uh, it was published. And so that's kind of where I went from, just kind of dipping my toes as a whiskey fan all the way to writing a wild turkey book. It didn't happen overnight, but, you know, in, in time, uh, you know, it, it happened. And, and that was because I had a lot of people uh, supporting me along the way. So that's kind of how I got in to where I'm at now. Um, as far as the history of wild turkey goes, first of all, I think it's important that we clear up some myths. Uh, you know, wild turkey is often viewed as a, a lower shelf product. Um, and, and I'm guilty of that years ago. And, and a lot of people, they just make an assumption because they had a bad experience with wild turkey or they know someone that had a bad experience with wild turkey or they hear jokes about wild turkey. They think that wild turkey is a subpar American whiskey brand. And it couldn't be further from the truth. Wild turkey is, in my opinion, the most genuine of, of not just whiskey brands, but of, of American brands. And even though it's it's owned by an Italian company, you know, Wild Turkey has these these really deep American roots, and, and it's based in the struggles of, of two families, you know, through through some very tough times. And they've always stayed true to the recipe. Uh, they've never cut corners. Um, a lot of the shady things that you see in American whiskey, you don't find that with Wild Turkey. Uh, and 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 th- there's a beautiful simplicity. With this brand, there's one bourbon recipe and one rye recipe, and they've done it the same way. Uh, there have been some changes. There's a new distillery. They've changed some, some various things like barrel entry proof. And, and there's some nerdy stuff you can get into where, where there's been some changes. But as far as the way Jimmy Russell was taught to make whiskey in the 1950s, that's the same way he taught his son, Eddie Russell. And that's the same way that Wild Turkey is making whiskey now. So let me take you back to the very beginning of this story, uh, and you're going to see how things kind of merge. You're going to see a family coming from Ireland. You're going to have some immigrants. You're going to have a, a large company in New York, and you're going to have 
the Russell family from Kentucky, and all these things are going to kind of combine to make wild turkey what, what it is today. So let's go back to 1830, and there were two brothers, uh, James and John Rippey, and they traveled from Ireland uh, and eventually settled in Anderson County, Kentucky. And the area that they settled in, uh, they named it Tyrone, uh, after Tyrone, Ireland, where they were from. Now, uh, they started off farming like everyone does did at the time, and uh, eventually the Rippey family owned a small store, a general store. That general store was successful enough to where uh, in the 18, like 1868, 1869, uh, James uh, purchased uh, an interest in a distillery, uh, the next year, he sold that interest to his uh, son, T.B. Rippey, and that, that stands for Thomas Baby Rippey. T.B. Rippey would go on to become Anderson County and, and one of Kentucky's largest uh, distillers uh, at the time. He purchased numerous dis- distilleries over the year, over the years, and he would uh, invest in them, and then he would sell them, and then he'd buy another one, invest, and sell it. Uh, but he did very well. There were two uh, distilleries that he was primarily uh, you know, uh, hung on to for all these years, and that was uh, Clover Bottom and Cliff Springs. Now, uh, T.B. Rippey's brother, James P. Rippey, uh, also got into the distilling business. He worked for Bond and Lillard for some years because uh, his wife uh, was the sister of Christopher C. Lillard of the Bond and Lillard name. Um, but he eventually purchased uh, a distillery that was known as Old Moore, uh, and then he renovated that. I believe it was in 1895 is when he renovated that distillery and uh, kind of turned it around. Oh, 1891, James P. Rippey turned that distillery around. Now, that distillery that was Old Moor and then became Old Hip- Hickory Springs when J.P. Rippey bought it, uh, that is on the land that is where wild turkey is now. But going back to his brother T.B. Rippey, who was very successful, uh, T.B. Rippey's dynasty kind of fell apart at the end because uh, he was very ill. He had a, a disease called pernicious anemia, uh, and at the time, there was no cure for that. Uh, he sold off uh, his uh, distilleries, and uh, his sons uh, purchased uh, James P. Rippey, their uncle. Uh, they purchased uh, his distillery, Old Hickory Springs, and turned it into what is Rippey Brothers Distillery. Now, uh, when Prohibition hit, uh, the distillery closed. They were unable to secure a medicinal spirits license, so it remained closed throughout Prohibition. Uh, when Prohibition was repealed, the Rippey brothers opened that distillery back up, uh, and they secured a contract with Shinley uh, to produce uh, bourbon. They could produce some for themselves, but it was a very small amount, only a, about 1,000 barrels. Most of it was uh, was wholesale to Shinley, which some of you may be familiar with. And Shinley owned the brands, the old Rippey brands that TB Rippey had started. Uh, now, uh, that stayed going for some time uh, until about... 1950, uh, it turned into uh, Anderson County Distilling Company when the Gould Brothers owned it. And the Gould Brothers then uh, changed the name in, in 1955 to JTS Brown and Sons. And they operated as, as JTS Brown and Sons uh, for, for many years up until about 1971. In 1971, a company called Austin Nichols and Company purchased the distillery there in Lawrenceburg and turned it into the Austin Nichols Distillery. Now, I need to kind of rewind here because I need to tell you about Austin Nichols. So Austin Nichols was the largest grocery wholesaler in the world for a good period of time in the late 1800s to early 1900s. Now, this is before the five and dime Woolworths and this type of thing. This is uh, uh, grocery wholesaling where you would would basically be a provider of goods to a retailer, and uh, those retailers would keep stock behind a counter and you would go to the general stores and you would ask for certain things. And if they didn't have them on stock, they would get them from their wholesaler, in this case, Austin Nichols. Now, Austin Nichols kind of saw the writing on the wall when these five and dimes got big in, in the early 1900s. And they decided to diversify and they got into wine and spirits. After Prohibition, they went exclusively to wine and spirits and Austin Nichols uh, prospered at that. Uh, they were very good at, at projecting what was going to be uh, coming around the curb. So uh, in 1938, oh, 39, 40, around this period of time, an executive uh, known as Thomas McCarthy uh, was an avid wild turkey hunter. And he and some friends went on a wild turkey 
hunting trip. And uh, when they went on this trip, he had pulled some whiskey from a barrel and it was at 101 proof and he took it with them and his friends uh, loved it. So the next time they had one of these gatherings, they asked that he bring along that wild turkey bourbon, as in the, the, the bourbon that he had brought with him on the wild turkey trip. And uh, he thought, wow, this is a great idea. And Austin Nichols already had a bourbon. It was Austin Nichols bourbon. So they just turned that to wild turkey bourbon. And it first hit shelves in 1942. Now, the wild turkey in the 40s, 50s, and 60s uh, was just bulk bourbon that was purchased under contract from numerous distilleries. It could be Barton. It could be Beam. It, it was definitely, uh, you know, Old Joe was one of the sources. Old Boone was one of the sources. Um, but it was just a combination of this. But one of the major sources for this wild turkey bourbon was Rippey Brothers or Anderson County or what, what would become known as JTS Brown at the time. So when they purchased the distillery in 1971, they did it to secure a, a single source of bourbon. So they would not have to go out and, and, and get barrels from, from the market. Um, the, the master distiller at that time in 1971 was a man named Jimmy Russell, or is a man named Jimmy Russell. Jimmy Russell is still the master distiller at Wild Turkey. But in 1971, Jimmy had been master distiller since 1967. He started in 1954 under the tutelage of a man uh, named Mr. Bill Hughes. Mr. Bill Hughes was a distiller before Prohibition. He taught Jimmy uh, how to select the best grains. He taught him how to distill properly. He taught him pretty much everything, every job that could be done at a distillery. Jimmy Russell had to do it. Matter of fact, Jimmy will tell you that Mr. Hughes moved him around so many times that he thought he was going to not have a job because he said, you know, if you were successful at something, you usually stayed there, but to get moved around, you probably weren't very good at what you were doing. But he didn't know that, that Mr. Hughes was priming him uh, for the master distiller position one day. And when Mr. Hughes passed away, that is what Jimmy became. So Jimmy uh, in 1971 was running a, a, a very nice sh uh, ship there in Lawrenceburg and, and, and uh, Austin Nichols knew it. And so they purchased the distillery and, and, and of course, they turned it to the Austin Nichols distillery. Uh, that uh, went along fine until about 1980 uh, when a, a spirits company named Pernod Picard purchased that distillery. Uh, they, act, they actually purchased Austin Nichols and Company, and uh, that's why the uh, bottles continued with the Austin Nichols on the label for so many years. Um, and in 1981, uh, Jimmy's son, Eddie Russell, uh, signed on. And what was going to be a summer job ended up being a permanent job. Uh, and uh, now Eddie Russell is also a master distiller there in Wild Turkey. Uh, both of those have a combined, uh, you know, service in the industry of over 101 years. Uh, and Jimmy, uh, like I mentioned before, uh, is, the, is the longest tenured master distiller in the world at 66 years of service in the industry. But uh, so from the 80s uh, through the 90s, early 90s, it was a tough time for bourbon. Um, it wasn't popular anymore. Uh, it's what we call the glut era. And this is where you had so many bourbon barrels, choice barrels that no one was was buying. And it just went into your everyday uh, stock whiskey. So the the whiskeys that were being bottled for just, you know, mid shelf everyday pours were were just some of the best whiskey you can find. So that's why a lot of people chase these dusty uh, bottles. But uh a lot of brands kind of tried to scheme and do little things like you know, flavored things and changing things and going with light whiskeys and and uh, changing their proofs, lowering their proofs uh, to try to appeal to the, the market of people that were uh, uh, wanting something lighter. You know, this generation that wanted, uh, you know, uh, vodka and gin. And it just didn't work out for them, whereas Jimmy just kept on doing what he knew how to do, and that was making good bourbon. So uh, through the 80s and 90s, Wild Turkey just hung in there. In the 90s, uh, the export market became a very nice source for um, many bourbon brands, Wild Turkey included. And that was because in, in uh, Japan, uh, bourbon was uh, highly regarded. Uh, so Wild Turkey started sending a lot of their best whiskey uh, as exports to Japan, and, and it, it kept uh, the revenue coming. Um and then in the 2000s, uh, things started turning around and people started kind of realizing that there was a market there uh, in whiskey and, and it became popular. And, and in the later 2000s, uh, you started seeing it on shows like 
madmen and, and justified and a lot of the the bars in the country were starting to want these nicer label bourbons and rye whiskeys and uh it, it kind of took off there um and now where we're at today is we have another generation of russells with the brand with uh bruce russell and uh, joanne street uh, both of those are, are jimmy russell's grandchildren and they work for the company which is now owned by Campari. Campari purchased uh, Wild Turkey from Pernod in uh, 2009. And uh, they've done a very good job of kind of getting Wild Turkey into the mainstream. Um, and some of that also was because Matthew McConaughey in 2016 signed on as the uh, creative director for the brand and brought some new attention uh, from, from an audience that probably wouldn't typically uh, get into Wild Turkey. So uh, where we're at now today is you have three generations of Russells uh, at, a, at a, a, a brand that, that essentially was established in 1940, but the distillery has been going since the 1800s. And so you have a legacy of, uh, you know, this, you know, 19th century immigrants. You have, you know, the struggles of the, the prohibition and, and the marketplace of you know, the old way of doing things versus the new way of doing things. And you have, uh, you know, Jimmy, who was taught how to make whiskey the old fashioned way. And Eddie taught the same way. All of these kind of weave a, 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 a fabric of, of tradition and a genuine uh, authenticity that you don't find in a lot of whiskey brands that are just these startup uh, brands that have happened in the last five, 10 years, whatever. This, while Turkey has been going for many, many years now. And they're doing the same thing that they've always done, sometimes a little bit differently as far as the tech specs. But for the most, you're getting the same kind of whiskey that Jimmy would have made, uh, you know, 50 years ago. So um, with that, I think uh, I should probably touch on the second half of my book, which is about the expressions of wild turkey. Um, there's a lot of different wild turkey expressions. Uh, some of them uh, are more, you know, uh, centered for the the dedicated enthusiasts and they're very high dollar and and but most of them are very uh, available and affordable for anyone um and i want to talk about two of those uh tonight the first one is the flagship for the brand which is wild turkey 101 um a lot of people get intimidated by the 101 proof and I, i'm just going to have to say that don't don't if you're getting into whiskey don't go by the proof alone the proof uh, while it means something, it doesn't necessarily translate to to how powerful the spirit is. Uh, oftentimes, it can just simply show you how flavorful the spirit is. Because in Wild Turkey's case, right now they have a barrel entry proof of 115. That means that the spirit enters the barrel at 115 proof. And based on where the barrel is in a rickhouse, uh, that proof might go up or down. Um, so, from this 101 proof bottling back to the barrel entry proof, there's a 14 point, you know, difference, but that could be adjusted for where that barrel was at. But what that says is that essentially that there's not as much water added to this whiskey as, say, a whiskey that's bottled at 80 proof with 125 uh, point uh, barrel entry proof. So you're getting a lot more flavor typically with a higher proof. Um, Wild Turkey 101 is aged from a range of about six to eight years, typically. But there's oftentimes, you know, more well-aged uh, barrels going into it just to reach a certain profile. So sometimes you can have 10 to 12-year barrels going into a batch just to, to get the flavor profile right. Um, the notes that I typically find on 101, if I'm nosing it, is you're going to get that signature bourbon vanilla. You're going to get some caramel. You're going to get toffee. And there's a nice baking spice uh, with maybe a little bit of uh, citrus there, like an orange peel. And that's typically what I get out of 101. And it's been that way for many years now. Um, the next spirit I'm going to touch on is uh, Russell's Reserve 10-year. Yeah, there's two major brands for Wild Turkey, and that's Wild Turkey and Russell's Reserve is the second. Um, Russell's Reserve uh, first started back uh, around 2000. Uh, it was a first a, a kind of a sub brand of Wild Turkey, but it turned into its own brand officially around you know, 2005 or so. Um, 
But Russell's reserve tenure is a 90 proof expression. Um, it's age 10 years. And what that means is that that is the youngest age of the whiskey in the batch. So you could have 12 year barrels, 13 year barrels in here, et cetera. Um, it's uh, been around uh, in the 90 proof uh, version since 2005. And this is, this is pretty much Eddie's baby here uh, as far as like his favorite uh, whiskey. Whereas Jimmy is the signature 101. Uh, I tend to think of this as kind of more, more Eddie's baby. Um, but what you get on Russell's Reserve 10-year is you get what happens with the oak, okay? Because you have a, a, a an expression now that, that's over a decade. So you're going to get leather and like a uh, toasted, like a kind of like a cherry note. So you'll get like a medicinal cherry, get like a cherry wood. You're still going to get the caramel, the brown sugar. You're going to get a little bit of citrus although it's going to be more of a darker citrus, like a blood orange instead of like, you know, an orange zest or an orange peel. Um, but I would recommend uh, for anyone wanting a an easy sipper that has a lot of flavor, I would go with the Russell's 10. It has a lot of flavor at 90 proof. Uh, whereas the 101 is going to be more vibrant. Um, either one of these We'll do fine with a cocktail. It just depends on how bold you want your spirit. If you want a spirit-forward cocktail, I would go with 101. If you want a cocktail that has more finesse and more oak, I would say go with the, the Russell's 10. Um, but that's just uh, kind of a an idea of what you can get started with with Wild Turkey. There are a lot more expressions, like I said, and my book covers them, including expressions that are no longer available, uh, You know what we call dusties, vintage pours. Um, and there's also a, an appendices in my book where I go through uh, a timeline. There, uh, there's a page about specs. Uh, you know, you know what Wild Turkey's recipe is, uh, and then there's an article uh, at the end that I think everyone uh, w- will appreciate, and it's called uh, "Whiskey uh, uh, Turkey Newbie uh, Whiskey Lover" or whatever. I, I, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but it's, it's basically a, a, an article where I basically say, if you're a whiskey fan but you're new to Wild Turkey. Uh, this is kind of how you you inch in, and it compares different wild turkey expressions with other bourbon brands that you might know, like like Jim Beam or you know Old Granddad or Buffalo Trace, Four Roses, these these names, and it kind of compares their expressions with wild turkey's expressions and which ones are more parallel uh, to one another. So uh, that's basically an idea of my book, and I'm going to shoot back to Wesley here. If anybody has any questions, I'm I'd be happy to take them. All right. Yeah. So does anyone have any questions? Uh, it's like we've got about four people with us right now. So uh, if, if, if there's anybody, uh, anybody in there that likes to, would like to ask, please ask away in the, the comments. Yeah. And, and I should mention too, that uh and i don't know if i mentioned this before i talked about the book being available on amazon and uh and uh apple ibooks but it's also available in pdf format on uh, payhip.com slash rarebird 101 if anyone has a device that's not compatible with those two okay we do have a question now okay uh, and there is a little delay between facebook and webex so okay uh, if, if uh you don't get your answer right away. That's probably what's happening there. So we have a Steve Young asking, "How long does Long Brock fit in the mix?" A Long Branch? Maybe, yeah, the yeah, okay, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. So Long Branch, uh, well, actually, it's kind of an interesting question there because just recently, uh, Long Branch uh, started as a brand now for Wild Turkey. So Long Branch, to give everyone a little bit a bit, a bit of a backstory, is a whiskey. Uh, that was developed by Matthew McConaughey and Eddie Russell. And it launched in 2018, but it's essentially eight-year wild turkey bourbon that's enhanced with uh, mesquite uh, oak and white oak. So it's, 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 not tip, it's not charcoal filtered like the way that Jack Daniels or, or Dickel or some, one of these brands does it, but it's more of an infusion. So they infuse the bourbon with uh, mesquite and oak, and uh, it gives it a little bit more of a uh, a woody note. Um, it's bottled at 86 proof, 
Uh, and it's marketed uh, as more of a, what I would say, like an entry-level bourbon for someone that wants a fancy sipping whiskey entry-level. Okay, so I would compare it to, say, uh, Gentleman Jack or uh, Basil Hayden. So Long Branch just about a, a month ago uh, is it has been relaunched as a brand. So I'm expecting, you know, and this is pure speculation. I don't have any inside information on this, but you would think that if they're going to relaunch it as a brand and not just an expression of Wild Turkey, that you would think that we're going to see some new expressions. So I expect to see maybe like, you know, a rye or some type of special finish. If you look at the Basil Hayden's line, you see uh, they have a rye and they have various cask finishes where, you know, the whiskey is finished in like, you know, a ex rum barrel or something of that nature. So, you know, I, I could be just completely wrong here, but I think that you're probably going to see long branch uh, expressions vary uh, in the next few years. All right, we uh, have any more questions? Looks like that's the only one we got right now. Uh, okay. Please fire away if you have anything for us. And, and I apologize, Wesley, for yeah, I, I get to talk and and I forget that like I have pictures I can show people. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, if you want to uh, maybe uh, go ahead and show those. You know, what, I'll do, I'll share I'll share a little bit of a just kind of like a little photo album here of some things that some folks might find interesting. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna grab the screen here if that's okay. Sure. Okay. All right. Is it sharing? Okay, so uh, if we go back to the beginning here, I'd, I'd mentioned uh, James and John Rippey coming from Ireland uh, and, and settling in uh, Anderson County. This is James Rippey, James C. Rippey, okay? And uh, his two sons uh, would be uh, T.B. Rippey and uh, James P. Rippey. So a picture of T.B. Rippey is here. T.B. Rippey, uh, if you recall, Owned lots of different distilleries in the Anderson County and outside the Anderson County area, and uh, and flipped those. Um, and here is James P. Rippy, uh, and again James uh, fought in the Civil War um, on the side of the Confederacy because Kentucky was split at that time. Um, and as far as TB's sons that purchased the distillery from from their uncle James P. This is Ernest Rippey, Ernest, uh, Ernest Rippey Sr. here. Ernest uh, was the oldest of the, uh, the Rippey brothers, I believe. Um, and his son, Ernie Rippey Jr., um, would become a master distiller at the distillery uh, years later. Um, I talked about uh, the Rippey brothers uh, purchasing uh, the distillery from their uncle James. Uh, and this is uh, what they renovated it and turned it to uh, in 1905. Um, what's interesting here is this distillery here is the old Wild Turkey Distillery, uh, minus some renovations. Uh, it's no longer there. Um, Campari built a, a, a whole new distillery in 2011. Uh, but this stood, stood there in some form or another all the way uh, up till then, of course, like I said, with some renovations and extensions. Um, in the background here, you see uh, that's Rickhouse A. Rickhouse A is still standing at Wild Turkey. It was built in 1894. Um, and I can show you a picture of what it looks like on the inside today. This is the inside of Rickhouse A. This is the bottom floor. If you've ever been in a Rickhouse, you know how marvelous uh those smells can be and that cool temperature on the bottom floor. Um, this is quite unique because of its age. So uh, a lot of this timber here that was used to build Rickhouse A uh, is just saturated with the evaporation of the spirit uh, since 1894. And so the smells that you get in this Rickhouse, I mean, I, I could I could hang a hammock in here and just and take a nap. It would be amazing. Um, okay, so uh, speaking of the new distillery, uh, this is the new distillery here uh, that was built uh, in 2011. 
and uh, you can take a tour of that. I, they, they have their tour hours are a little bit weird right now because of COVID. But um, you know, on a, on an average COVID-free day, you 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 get a, a grand tour through this whole facility. Uh, you can see through these windows here these fermentation tanks, um, and this is of course is where they keep the grains. Um, it's a it's a very and the still is 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 back here, um, but that's that's what it looks like today. Um, a visitor center uh, was built uh, back in 2014. Um, and this is it here. It was it was designed to look like a tobacco barn, um, and it offers. I don't know if you can really tell from this picture, but there's a a a window here where you can look out over the Kentucky River. It's beautiful, and I highly recommend anyone that has not been uh, to a visit to Wild Turkey to definitely check that out. Um, uh, Jimmy Jimmy Russell, I should show you a picture of Jimmy. When he started at Wild Turkey, this is what he looked like. Jimmy was a basketball star. Um, he actually uh, was going to be a basketball star, was going to uh, to college, and then decided he missed home and, and came back and then started at the distillery. Um, and he was known as Russell the Muscle in high school. Um, this is what Jimmy uh, you know, looks like today. This is his granddaughter, Joanne, I'd mentioned earlier. She's a brand ambassador for Wild Turkey. Uh, his son... Eddie Russell uh, is here, and uh, Eddie is also a master distiller. He's been a master distiller since 2015, and that's his son, Bruce. Bruce uh, is a brand ambassador uh, for Wild Turkey as well. Um, let's see, what other pictures I miss here that, that might be worth looking at? Um, this is a neat picture. I like this picture because you get to see some big, important faces here. So, this is uh, a picture that was taken around 1971-72, likely when, when Austin Nichols purchased the distillery. You have Mr. McCarthy here kneeling beside the barrel uh, in this suit. Mr. McCarthy is the, the gentleman. Uh, this is him uh, as well. Um, Mr. McCarthy is the individual that came up with Wild Turkey Bourbon. Uh, here you have, and the glasses kneeling on the other side of the barrel, is Ernie Rippey. I've shown you uh, Ernie Rippey here, okay, and this is Ernie Rippey uh, there. And uh, you have various managers of the distillery uh, in Austin Nichols. And this is Jimmy Russell in the brown shirt here. So that's that's Jimmy back in the early 70s. Um, and uh, I think that's about it for the pictures. I have a – that's a picture of uh, – Cliff Springs, which was one of uh, T.B. Rippey's distilleries there on the river, a little bit, little bit of ways uh, uh, down from, from Wild Turkey. Um, but uh, that's about it on, on the pictures. Um, but uh, let me uh, get off the screen share here. I don't know if any questions have come in, Wesley. Uh, it's not right now, but I have a few myself. Uh, okay. All right. So, um, first off, like uh, this is your first book, correct? That's my first book. Yes, sir. So I, I, I always like uh, when I get non-fiction authors in to find out about the research process. I know you, like, uh, did you just kind of, like, create your own process, or did you, like, talk to people who've written books before? Like, who, how did you come up with what you did? And what did well, you do? that's a good question. Uh, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> I mean, I just kind of went for it. Um, I think that's why, you know, one of the criticisms I got early on when I, I presented my draft to some folks was that uh, it was too conversational, um, that it didn't read like a typical history book, um, that it was like someone talking. And uh, it kind of threw me for a loop there. And I thought, well, maybe I, maybe I just don't know how to write a book. Maybe I'm not very good at this. Maybe I shouldn't do it. But I was encouraged by other folks to just ignore that and to let it ride because it, the book would not be the same if I changed the tone. And so what I've gotten since it's come out is a lot of, um, you know, uh, support for that in the sense that they say, you know, they can relate to it because it's like, you know, a fan telling the story, you know, and I admit right off, off the bat, you know, I'm a wild Turkey fan, and, um, not, but you know, it's, I, I spent a lot of time researching it. Um, so, you know, it's not just me jabbering away. I mean, I, there's a lot of, of info to dig into here, but, uh, it, it, it's written out of passion 
and I think that there's people that connect with that. Um, so it's probably not the typical history book in tone, but the facts are there. So you, you know, I, I can say that I spent a lot of time making sure that that my sources were accurate. It's like dig into libraries and uh, history rooms and stuff like that, and visit facilities. And well, it, it's a combination of a lot of things. It's a combination of of various books. It's a combination of, of various blogs, of various interviews. I should mention that I have Al Young to thank for a lot of the good information in this book. The late Al Young, uh, who was a Four Roses brand ambassador uh, and, and well-loved in, in the bourbon community, who, who passed away not too long ago, sadly. Um, he did a series of interviews for the Nunn Center for the University of Kentucky where he interviewed Jimmy Russell, Hedy Russell, Olivia Rippey, uh, Thomas Baby Rippey IV. Um, it, his interviews, including some interviews of his own, uh, where, where he was being interviewed, uh, and he has a lot of Lawrenceburg history uh, that he can share or could share. And uh, I got a lot from, from Al's interviews. Um, I had interviews with uh, Russell family members and Rippey family members. Um, so it's the sources were were all over the place. Um, some some other you know notable bloggers and writers like Chuck Caldry, um, Fred Minnick. Uh, there was a lot of information coming from a lot of different places. Um, the hardest part to me was kind of putting it together where it was where it flowed kind of as a narrative because you've got overlapping timelines. So you've got the Rippy history that extends you know, into the mid-1900s, you've got Austin Nichols, which starts shortly after the Rippey starts and kind of goes all the way up through until they sold, you know, to Pernod in, in 1980. Uh, and then you've got the Russells with Jimmy starting in, in, in 54. So you, there were a lot of overlapping elements, and, and it was kind of tough to figure out how am I going to chronologically tell the story without too much jumping around. Um, and I think I was able to do that. Um, you know, I kind of have to, I told the Rippy story and kind of paused and then brought in Austin Nichols and then paused and then went from Jimmy forward. Uh, so there was a little bit of overlap there, but, but not much, uh, whenever, when it was finally drafted out, um, it was, a, it was a challenge. Uh, the second half of the book was a lot easier for me because the second half of the book was me going through the different expressions and my impressions of them and the history of the expression and the specs of the expression and and that stuff came a lot easier because I do that on my blog every week. Um, but uh, the history part was, it was very tough to kind of tell that narrative without too much jumping back and forth. So uh, I think I got it. I think I got it. Yeah, you did really well. And I think both your enthusiasm and the conversational term works great. Like my favorite types of history books are the ones that are written by people that are really into what they're writing about. Yeah. Uh, example of this, I don't know if you're familiar with the musician J.D. Wilkes. We've had him in a number of times. He wrote a book about the uh -huh. history of Kentucky music. He actually went around to all the barn dances and jamborees that are still happening and he would interview the people who still hosted them and uh, told the story of Kentucky music by going to these people who were either descendants or just involved with the things that were there's not a way to order it. Um, and and I only have so many copies here because uh, you, are, you have to pay for them. So it's it's uh, you know I don't really have a a, a method for that. Uh, I do provide signed copies to uh, certain uh, Patreon supporters at a certain tier. Um, but I, I tell you what, you know, it's not like a million people are watching this at the moment. So someone can always reach out to me via email, and I'll see what I can do. How about that? Uh, Rarebird one hundred and one at pm dot me. Great. Um, now, uh, was there, is there any other plans for another book or you want to, uh, are there any other brands you'd like to tackle? I know it seems like, well, well, Turkey's your favorite, but would you ever be like into writing some about Maker's Mark or, or a different type of brand? Okay. Well, that's a big question. Okay. So the answer is yes. I'm working on, uh, 
some other books, uh, but none I want to get in. Well, okay. So this one set I can, I can mention that that's not a big deal is I'm in the process of uh, turning my blog posts in, into an anthology where I'm going to have basically supplementary volumes that are basically part of a package with American Spirit. So uh, I'll have my blog posts from 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, et cetera, as an anthology. Um, so that if, if people uh, want to use it as a reference uh, book uh, to find out information on a certain wild turkey expression, uh, they can just reach for the anthology. Yes, you can go on my blog and you can search it and all that. But, you know, I'm trying to have something that, you know, might stand the test of time now. Those right now, my plans for those are going to be just as like a print on demand, uh, like an Amazon, uh, you know, type of print on demand thing. Um, still kind of compiling all that because I don't want to just copy and paste. So I'm like going through all my blog posts from the years and, you know, really kind of digging in on the editing and, and making sure that it flows as a book. So that's one project I'm working on. So that's more of a series of, of books that will be a supplement to American Spirit. Uh, and then I'm, I'm working on another book uh, uh, that's that's bourbon uh, related. It's not wild turkey related per se, but uh, I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll talk about that not too long from now. But right now, I'm gonna kind of keep that keep that uh, kind of close to the chest. Yeah, that's a good little tease there. I'm, yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to see you, seeing what you do in the future. Hopefully, uh, hopefully uh, next time we can have you in face to face. I know we yeah, that'd be cool. had to adjust uh, in, in the wake of all this uh, pandemic stuff. The way we do programs and we're taking more uh, online stuff now. So, uh, so yeah, I do appreciate you coming in. Uh, looks like we don't have any more questions. Okay, that, I'm, I'm I'm a big uh, uh, nerd for like writing books and like like my question earlier you indicated like as far as the layout and stuff because I really like the layout of your book. Did you do that yourself or did you hire? No. No, that was done by a, a gentleman named Ricky Frame. Uh, he uh, he no longer works for Mascot, but he was he was the head designer for Mascot books at the time this book was was done. And one thing that I really enjoyed working uh, with Ricky was about was like Ricky. He well, he's also a bourbon fan, so he he kind of you know knew how a bourbon book should look, um, if that makes any sense. But he was also open to criticism and open to trying new things and everything. So, I mean, the very first draft I got from him, layout draft, I mean, it was like 85% there. Uh, we had to do some tweaks and we kind of had to do a, had a, had a little bit of a redo because there were about five or six pictures that we couldn't get uh, uh, authorizations to use. So when we scrapped those pictures, um, it shifted everything around and we had to kind of come up with a new way of, of doing a certain few chapters there or sub chapters. Um, but the book is loaded with photography. That that was one of the key things that, that Ricky and I both wanted early on was that Victor had, had done such a fantastic job with these pictures because there's well over a hundred pictures throughout this book, full color, um, not just sandwiched in the middle. You know, these, these tell the story with the book. Um, and we wanted to make sure that that the, the photographs flowed as well as as the text. So I think Ricky did a great job showing off Victor's work and making sure that uh, the story was told alongside the photos in a tasteful way. And he nailed it as far as I'm concerned. I'm very happy. I don't know if I, I don't really think it could have been designed any better, honestly. Yeah, it's great. I, I agree wholeheartedly. It was an excellent job. That really stood out to me when I picked it up and just started thinking through it how great it looked. Yeah, he, he knows what he's doing. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So, all right. Uh, I mean, if uh, it looks like we don't have any more questions and we're getting to about an hour in okay. time. So, uh, yeah, if uh, there's anything you'd like to plug, I will say uh, I think I misunderstood the guy who tweeted at me. I guess you donated that uh, book, uh, the copy of the book to the library. I do appreciate that. I just want to well, well, that was. I'll, I'll let Jacob take credit for that because uh, you know he had mentioned he was going to donate one himself, and I was like, "Well, I'll I'll throw one in there for you to do." But it, it was his idea and his oh, okay. his willingness That's... to do it. So, so yeah. I appreciate him doing that. Um, as far as plugs, uh, you know, if anybody's interested in the book, if you want a one stop, just go to wildturkeybook.com and you'll have links to to Amazon, Apple, uh, my publisher, 
as well as the Bourbon Outfitter, which uh, the Bourbon Outfitter, and I, I really, really need to mention this at the moment because they've got a cool deal going on right now. The Bourbon Outfitter has a deal where uh, you can buy a bottle of 101 and the book for thirty nine ninety nine. So oh, wow. you know, Wild Turkey 101 is typically 25 bucks. So, you know, if that's a great deal if you're looking. And, and if you're local to Louisville or Lexington or, or the general areas, you can go to Justin's House of Bourbon and get the same thing because the Bourbon Outfitter is a venture of uh, Justin's House of Bourbon. So you can get a bottle of Wild Turkey 101 and a book for thirty nine ninety nine. So that's a, a Christmas present for you and a friend. <laughs> so, um, and then uh, if you want to look at my blog, it's rarebird101.com. I'm on Instagram at rarebird101. I'm on uh, Twitter at rbird101. Uh, you can find me on uh, LinkedIn at rarebird101. And then I'm also uh, on Patreon, which is patreon.com slash rarebird101. Great. And uh, Jacob, uh, thanks uh, thanks for setting that up and making me aware of David's excellent work. And also, yeah, thank uh, you, Throw out, throw out a shout out for him because his uh, Twitter is excellent. If you're interested in bourbon history at all, all definitely follow uh, OBKY underscore bourbonite. That's B O U R B O N I T E. He posts some great pictures and he's a, you know, almost like a library into itself, which is uh, really cool, like finds. And- he, he has read more bourbon books than, or whiskey books, I guess I should say. Than, than anyone I know. I think he's over 200 whiskey books now. So oh, wow, that's, insane. That's we always, we always respect the people who go that far into the written word for sure. Yep. All right, David, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. And, you know, anytime in the future you have something out, so let us know and we'll definitely get a copy in and we'll, we'll have you back either on here, you know, face to face. Definitely appreciate it. Everybody go check out his stuff and uh, be sure to drop by the library. If, uh, can't uh, get a copy at the moment, and we got one in, in the collection uh, ready to be checked out today. Thanks so much. Thank you. Cheers. Really appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, David.